Punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryan. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento honestly is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders.
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Blessed are pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall inherit the earth. Lord, have mercy. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. Fadachi, San Francisco's elected public defender since 2002, has died at the age of 59. A preliminary autopsy indicates that Adachi suffered extensive heart disease. On Wednesday evening, supporters marched from the public defender's office to City Hall. To many, Adachi will be remembered as a warrior for poor and minority communities. He leaves a legacy that impacts every single person in uh, city and county of San Francisco. He has touched so many lives and he was really just a champion for um, immigrants, people with no voice, people who have been uh, overlooked by society. Adachi was known as a watchdog for police misconduct. 
especially during the 2015 racist tech scandal by San Francisco police officers, which included slurs against Filipinos. Badachi was also known for pension and bail reform. And so whoever's put in there, they're going to have to be a beast just like Jeff. You know what I mean? To, 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 to be brave and have courage and to go against the current. Because Jeff went against the police. You know what I mean? People don't usually go against the police, but he fought and stood up for the people. According to his colleagues and friends, Adachi was a supporter of the Filipino community in San Francisco. At, at the office, he would throw uh, events in celebration of Filipino American History Month, and he was uh, very much a strong advocate of the Soma Pilipinas Cultural District because that's where the public defender's office is, and he always um, paid deference to that and you know, realized the impact that the Filipinos have in helping the community. Whether for Filipinos or other minorities, Adachi's legacy as a champion for their causes is undisputed, and those communities now await for a new hero to arise and fill the big shoes that Adachi left behind. All right, and welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it is Friday, March 1st. Thanks so much for joining us. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. We are on Ohlone land. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, been quite a week. Uh, I wanted to start off with a song I hadn't heard before, and that was the the Isley Brothers version of Ohio Machine Gun. And then following that was a very brief commemoration of Jeff Adachi, the public defender who passed away uh, this past week. And Jeff Adachi had the pleasure of seeing him speak a number of times. He was really just out in the forefront of uh, defending the public as one should and going against the police as one of the speakers in the the video shared with us and we definitely need more folks like that out there so <sighs> haven't quite found all the the words that i wanted to to share about that yet but i thought at least playing a, a video uh, commemoration as well there's been an, there's a vigil and there's going to be another public vigil that's coming up next week so we'll be sharing some more information about that as well and thousands of people showed up so this person really just showed up for so many people out there and it's definitely a big loss to to san francisco another friend had mentioned that back when the far-right groups were gathering there was the back-to-back -back days in san francisco and in berkeley some of the quote-unquote leaders in san francisco decided oh we'll just uh, ignore them and have our own thing at city hall and totally ignore the problem as the fascists gathered in Alamo Square, and Jeff Adachi was one of the few, if not the only, uh, representatives from San Francisco who actually decided to go there with the groups, with the thousands of people who showed up to try to push them out of town. So, oh, just a, a devastating loss. And also just wanted to share credit to the video that we played, and that was put together here. You can find it on YouTube, and it's called Community Remembers San Francisco Public Defender Jeff Adachi, and that's by the TFC Balitang America group so you can find that there and there's also some more information more articles that we'll be sharing in the next couple weeks uh just just a big devastating loss so sending lots of love and solidarity to jeff's family and his co-workers and all the folks who really oh, just oh just it's a it's a big loss so wanting to put that out there we have a guest on the show today as many folks know this is the fourth annual mutiny 
Radio Comedy Festival. Uh, that's quite the transition I made there. Um, so it's starting today. It'll be going on for the next few days, and we have a guest with us today. Uh, we'll play a song, and then we'll get started in a little bit. So tickets are still available if you go to mutinyradio.fm. We've got lots of shows. we got like 50 comedians. We've got people coming in from all over the country to perform. You can also listen live and come in in person, check out the show. It'll be great. So wanting to encourage folks to get your tickets. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, play another song here, and then we'll get started with our guest, Sean. So stay tuned. Nice and easy to 
right, and welcome back to Weekly Review. That was Joan Armatrading with Bottom to the Top. We're joined here by Sean Riccio. Sean, thanks for joining us. Hey, Roman. It's good to be here. Hello, Mrs. Yeah. and Mix America. No, greetings to all the ships at sea. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you're here in town for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Welcome. Yes, I am. Hello. Hello. Yeah, so uh, feel free to tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, I am five foot nine, uh, five eleven. if you count the hair, uh, rippling six-pack. I enjoy long walks on the beach and uh, guys who are uncut. Hello. Are we, how, what are wow. we allowed to say on the radio? <laughs> no, uh, I'm a stand-up comedian uh, here from Seattle. So the thing about liking uncut men was not a joke. Get at me. Uh, <laughs> Noted. No. Uh, did, yes. No. Yes. And also, uh, yeah, I uh, I do a lot of political-like I, 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 I get people tell me it's political but I'm just screaming about like the world is on fire yeah. and we're all gonna die in my comedy and yeah. so I guess that makes me a political comic right <laughs> just pointing out what's actually happening right I, I it's not even really meant to be a joke I just yeah. like go up on stage and I'm like hey guys have you looked outside and people are like ha, hilarious that's not true people usually don't laugh but uh, I make them sometimes yeah that's good <laughs> I mean sometimes people are uncomfortable and people need to be uncomfortable it's true yeah comfort the disturbed disturb the uncomfortable uh, comfort the disturbed disturb the, the comfortable. comfortable that's yeah. it yeah we got it oh man you can tell this is live folks <laughs> oh yeah well definitely appreciate political comedians i think it's uh, if you have the opportunity to get on stage um it's a really i mean i feel like it's a necessity almost just to talk about what's happening in the world yeah i'm i uh not to not to get too uh like derogatory right off the bat but like i find comedy that isn't about stuff mm-hmm. that isn't about like even if you're just talking about like your family or your you know your relationships or whatever like it is some, something of substance right. something that matters to you yeah you know if you're just talking about like airline food because apparently all comedy stopped 30 years ago yeah. uh, <laughs> and as, as well as airlines stopped even serving food yeah right yeah. i took a plane this morning and like a woman threw a half empty bag of peanuts and hissed at me so like i that you know that's about the service you're getting <laughs> yeah yeah airlines have certainly Ugh, it's, everything has gotten worse. I get so everything has like gotten a TSA. Worse. I mean, just it's awful. The, there was literally this was the first time uh, I had ever seen like dogs, like the sniffy dogs at oh. the airport since like the year after 9-11 because oh. i i grew up in the northeast so mm-hmm. like uh, when 9-11 happened yeah. basically like everywhere even shit splat podunk vermont became like a demilitarized zone yeah like you would drive down the i-90 and like a statey would come out with like his three-legged dog and be like we got a sniff to make sure you don't have any bomb juice in your truck or whatever <laughs> so like this was the first time i had ever seen the airport like full-on hyphy like we're looking for a dude with like a bomb in his turban or whatever this morning and it was really intense yeah yeah they had like disgusting yeah yeah just like the dog you're not allowed to pet the dog which like is a huge cock tease why couldn't we have it be an animal that nobody likes why does it have to be an animal that everyone wants to interact with sure that's how they get you i mean i feel bad for all the police dogs out there that are forced to be snitches i mean right oh my god it's so every time you see every time i see a police dog i just want to take it aside be like are you okay yeah are they hurting you right you can just just wag your tail twice and you can come home with me (laughs) absolutely 
Oh, yeah. So yeah, that gives you an idea of what it's like to be in my brain all the time. No, uh, I'm super excited to be here in San Francisco, uh, here at Mutiny Radio. This is like one of my favorite venues in the entire country. Like, oh wow! Yay. Yeah, you hear that, everyone? Come out and support Mutiny Woo! Radio. Applause button. Yeah, yeah. We used to have a horn in here at some point. Oh yeah, like a vufazia, like a reggaeton kind of thing. Oh, it was more like a like when you put on your bike. Also fun. Yeah. Other than that, we're a little bit short on on sound effects. We just make them with our mouths. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you just point to me and I'll give you like the ba-ba-ba-ba, whatever you want. That's great, because often on this show, I'm like going through stories about police like police brutality and just like <laughs> fucking prison abuse and just horrible things that people in positions of power are doing. Mm-hmm. And so this is like a night, like it's good to have a chance to have a little bit of an uplift and uh, right you definitely want to tag up a story about that with like the, the, the with the fucking no. ba, 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 four dead today this. no no you know what i mean it's just it's um yeah like, you need something to cut it a little it gets, bit i mean it's like easy to burn out when we look at what's happening and what has been happening you know since before we were even born in this I, country i 100 percent agree like uh, the fact that this show is locally focused, I think, is really cool because as pretty much since the the presidential election, I have been like winnowing my focus for like news and just like information consumption mm-hmm. to like about a block radius from my house. Like it really feels I don't know what the word to describe it is. Like, not irresponsible, but just, like, ineffective to look beyond, like, what I can immediately... How can I help the people who are, like, right next to me? Because it feels like everything else is just, like, that's the Empire, man. I can't... (laughs) I can't leave with bigs and go fucking blow up the Death Star today. I gotta, like, harvest this moisture from the evaporators. We gotta make sure that everyone's fed and Tatooine or whatever. (laughs) Because, yeah, it's Seattle. Like, when you think Seattle, you think, like, hardship and desert climate. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely. No, man. I'll let you talk for a little bit because I'm just going to go on forever. Oh, start sure. to Start babbling well, about Well, I mean, like, I am curious as to what's going on. I have a, some friends who live in Seattle. I haven't mm-hmm. visited in a while. I'm just curious as to what's going on there politically. You know, um, there is a lot right now with... Um, the Amazon head. This is oh, weirdly. Yeah, I hate Jeff Bezos so. Oh much. yeah, no, everybody oh. does. He's he. Why is he still alive? I say that about a lot of people. But because like, his house, like his house, is set up like Ford's mansion back in the mm. teens. Like he's literally, it's literally like concrete walls, and there's like gun nests. You can see the place where, like, oh yeah, Ew. that's where a dude with a that's where a dude with a sniper rifle is waiting to pop you if you're not like the the uber driver with his mcdonald's fries or whatever the fuck because jeff bezos seems like the kind of guy who will make somebody deliver mcdonald's to him him and my roommate when he's drunk at 3 a.m both incorrigible monsters i have a feeling that your roommate's probably less of an asshole than jeff bezos just a hunch <laughs> okay i haven't this, met him i haven't met either one but i think billionaires don't deserve to they just should give away their money so i'm totally going to throw uh my roommate under the bus by Uh-oh. telling an apocryphal story that he told me and i choose to believe i choose to live in the universe where this is real because it's very Ill- it's very illustrative so he has a friend who is a young woman who's a waitress at a very high-end restaurant in seattle yeah where 
Jeff Bezos usually frequents, you uh-huh. know, maybe sometimes like twice a month. Yeah. And Jeff will get a private table and he'll sit down and he'll be like, hi, yeah, uh, I'd like to, you know, get some kind of duck dish tonight. You well, know, I already don't like it. Yeah, right. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, ordering I'm off adding, menu I, anyway. already we are like in dicey territory. Ugh. And then he'll be like, was... and I'd like a waitress who's like, you know, 24, 26, I blonde, wanna... doesn't talk a lot. And it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> It's like every day there's another reason to hate him even more. So like the the uh, the collapse of the Amazon two headquarters in New York, uh, New York yeah, yeah. is also causing a lot of backlash in Seattle because uh-huh. last year yeah. we voted on a head tax. The city council yes. like by a five to two mar like by like a five to two vote. Pretty pretty you know solid. Like this is the will of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, passed a head tax. I think it's like $200 per employee per year for any corporation that made over like $10 million in profit. Like it's targeting a very specific clientele. But like that passed and then a month later after Amazon, you know, basically like leaned their elbow on them, the city council was like, actually, uh, we're, we're, we're walking that back. And there was a giant building that Amazon had basically funded the construction of, like, uh-huh. I think it's like Rainier Plaza or like Rainier Block, something like that. It's like this huge fuck off skyscraper. And now Amazon is saying like, well, you know, with all the money we lost from this uh, headquarters and like, you guys want to pass uh-huh. all these taxes on us we're probably not even gonna like we're probably just gonna pull our funding out of the building so now they're like all the all the space that they were gonna occupy there they might sublease maybe they won't which means that there's just gonna be like a giant skyscraper that the city's footing the bill for that's gonna remain empty Ugh. and so like that's a big issue right now because we also had the worst snowstorm in like the last three years and a bunch of people died <laughs> and so we're like hey remember how that head tax was supposed to be for us to pay for new shelters yeah. And to get people off the street so they're not, like, dropping like flies every time that there's a light dusting of snow. Yeah. What if we could, what if we could recoup some of that money? So, like, yeah, there's a bunch of shit going on just this week. Wow. Couldn't they use that building then to, uh, for housing? Yeah. Like, there's so much shit in Seattle that they could be doing. There's so many unoccupied buildings just in the downtown area alone that, like. Similar to San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Like, with a, with a city council, you know, thing or, like, the mayor could probably, there's, there are mechanisms in place for somebody to be like, this is an emergency. Right. Let's fix this. Yes. You know, much like we're seeing put to very bad use on the national stage. You know, mm-hmm. like if somebody were so bold and not completely evil, though, you know, like the tools exist to right. make things at least marginally better. Right. In the in the immediate future. Absolutely. It's not that hard to do. Yeah. Get, the, get these guys a fucking sandwich and a blanket, man. Come on. Yeah. And a house. Like, yeah, roof over their head. there's yeah. so many. Yeah, they, one of them can move into my room. I'm moving out of my place. I don't need it anymore. My roommates are assholes. You can, <laughs> they could, they could deal with it. Nah, I'm sure. The, honestly, most of the people, most of the people I meet, like uh, when I did do more activist service, I worked with Food Not Bombs. Oh and, yay! Yeah, yeah love yeah. Food Not Bombs. Great organization. I worked with them a lot in college, and like I, I felt the people who I met like doing that way, way more personable and nicer. Just like. The only people I've met who are comparable to, like, American uh, unhomed people, because I know the word homeless is kind of like, you know, there's some baggage around that. But, like, 
unhomed American people, they're most comparable to like like Bosnian people who who lived through the war, and now they're just like, yeah, this is it's not raining. We're not outside. Nobody's trying to kill me right now. This is great. Life is good. You know, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're upbeat, positive people. You know, if you're if you're willing to talk to them like humans, of course. You know, you'll yeah. find that like, oh yeah, this guy's actually these well, guys. Everyone are has a story nice. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just I hate the vilification of especially in San Francisco and like some of the folks who move here and are just so like and it's part of the reason that folks have moved here and then that they like the, that the prices have gone up with housing mm-hmm. people have been evicted and like they don't realize that they're part of the reason that some folks are now living on the street yeah and like, i got i will say as i'm not a seattle born and bred you know like i was from the east coast so i am also part of that although the places i live are generally like uh i'm i i'm like a step above i'm a step above you know like oh shine your shoes for you governor up in bed you know uh that's me be, being like a cockney uh homeless child i don't know if that, i don't know if that came across on the radio because it probably just sounded like i was you you know gargling through a mouthful of marbles british accents but yeah like we have the same phenomenon in seattle where people are like oh, all these filthy homeless people and it's like dude he, that guy lived here he was born here yeah. and the house that you're in now was the house he lived right, in and right. his landlord kicked him out so you and five other assholes could pay could, more money yeah could live there to like make a startup or yeah. s- try stand-up comedy waka 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 <laughs> but <laughs> oh goodness yeah, yeah. but yeah it, it, it it's amazing how clear the solutions are and yes. how unwilling not only our political leaders but also we as people right. are to implement them well, <laughs> yeah. yeah there's that thing of the victim blending mentality too where it's there's still that idea that somehow mm-hmm. everyone i forget the the quote but it's like the idea that everyone is like a temporarily embarrassed right. million there are no like anyone yeah go yeah, ahead. yeah there are no poor people in america there are only temporary embar- temporarily embarrassed millionaires mm-hmm. you know like yeah that's de- that is definitely a, a san francisco is one of the or used to be one of the places in america that didn't have that kind of like retrograde class consciousness mm-hmm. like san francisco I, I don't know if it still is i know you guys have been uh been there's been a unionization movement at anchor steam yeah. the brewery yes. yeah so like i know that's going on like this used to be the a hotbed of union power in america right, the right. longshoreman union started in san francisco yeah so like i, I don't i'm sorry i forgot exactly where i was going with that i started thinking about anchor steam beer and i'm like oh shit i could get it right now and then i just drifted away <laughs> but, but um I forget what we were talking about. Unions are great. That's really what yes. I want you to remember, folks. Unions are good. Be nice to your to union members. Yes. Go join a union. If you can't join a union, start one. If you can't start one, kill your boss and put his head out on a pike as a warning to the others. Uh, I like all of this. Yeah, right? <laughs> and while we're talking about it, sending lots of love and solidarity to all the Oakland teachers who are still out on strike. Yes. So there's just been, yeah, I think 2000, I read a, I read a story, I think last week, about how in 2018 there were more strikes I think mm-hmm. that in previous years. Yeah, the uh did the did the LA Unified go on strike in 
2019 or like late 2018? They were just on strike. I mean, it's hard to keep track. Like with the the way everything is happening, and there's so much information now, it's hard mm-hmm. to keep track of what happened when. I feel like that was earlier this year that the LA teachers were on strike. Yeah, so the planning must have started. But yeah, like yeah. last year was like oh, what was it? Oklahoma, West Virginia, yeah, Seattle. Uh, yeah. yeah, Washington State teachers were on strike for a while because our school system is totally fucked. Yeah. Like we're I don't I don't even know if they have full funding yet. Mm. Like there, I I remember there were they were they were talking about funding issues for our Washington State schools and striking like two years ago during the last mayoral election, mm. and that's only now. Yeah, we're seeing a big resurgence of of union power. That's what it was. That like San Francisco used to be such like a union yeah. hotbed, and now it is that is that waning or is it coming back? Because it feels like there's a big upswing of union organization yeah. movement in America right now. I mean, I, what do I, you think? I feel like maybe it's like a little bit of both where there's like the gig economy unfortunately has made it so folks who work for like Uber and Lyft are now individual contractors so they can so it's difficult if you're like working on your own, it's harder to meet your coworkers and to organize with them. And also people are so overworked now that it's people are working multiple jobs. So I think in the back in the day when folks only had one job, it was easier just to organize with people, but now people are working two, three, four jobs right. and in school and so people don't have as much energy, perhaps, as in previous generations. Yeah, you don't have as much energy. You don't have the means. Right. Like I, I'm a single income person. I work one. I'm lucky enough to be able to work one job to, you know, make my ends meet. But that's it. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing left after yeah. that. So like, you know, you have you. It's hard to take. It's hard to take a day off of work to go or to go organize to right. be a physical body sure. and like make your presence known out on the street. You know, where all organization is really important, but like you also need to show up for those things. You need to be there physically, you Mm -hmm. know, like waving a sign. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. If you can. But that's that's the thing. Like. How old are you, Roman? You're I'm like 38. Yeah, you're 38. I'm yeah. like I'm 31 this month, and mm-hmm. I feel like in our lifetime we have we have seen the sh- the real it's it's the sea change. It feels really different from when we were kids, mm-hmm. where like a sense of civic engagement mm-hmm. was considered still de rigueur to some degree, like. I know so many people who don't vote, who adamantly don't vote, and not like as an issue of like I think voting, like if you're a if you're a native person in America or you're a person of color of any kind or you're you're queer, like I understand why you don't vote because there's nobody who represents your issues. But if or if like you just physically can't vote, like there's lots of people in America who cannot vote because they are being physically you know constantly disenfranchised Mm -hmm. and if they don't vote i get it yeah yeah but if you're a privileged white dude like me and you're gonna come at me and tell me about how like you take this principled stand about not voting i'm going to steal your ballot because in seattle they just mail them to us i'm gonna go to your mailbox steal your ballot and then vote for you because (laughs) and i want everyone to know that sean riccio uh, whose real name is actually Daniel Isherwood, but 
shout out to my roommate Daniel Isherwood. Uh, I hope uh, I'll give I uh, you know you probably got when does the is this airing live? It's or? airing live. I haven't okay, posted Daniel, about you, it yet. Sometimes I post in advance. Sometimes I it'll either way it's live right now. Okay, Daniel, you probably got about like twenty minutes before Homeland Security shows up at the apartment. Make sure you grab all my dildos. I want the I, you know like stash them somewhere where they're not going to find them. I want those back when I get back. And uh, me and Morgan will try and figure out bail. Can you get bail from the feds? Can you get bail? <laughs> I don't know. I also don't know if Homeland Security really listens to this show. That's oh, a question. Huh, oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know there's who that's a, a, there's a robot for. who's There's a robot who's scraping it to make sure that, like, when they need to nail you to the wall, they, I've been they waiting. have I've been waiting five years. We, we, sh- we should all be so lucky as to... Like, that's when, I, that's when I'll know I've made it. When the FBI starts, like, targeting me for, like, we gotta make Sean Riccio kill himself for, like, something. Or, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Now I've made it. Now I'm, a th- now I'm considered a threat to Homeland Security. Awesome. I did it. My, my grandma would be so proud. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you know you're a true artist. When the FBI is trying to kill sure, you. Sure. <laughs> They've done it many times before. Yeah. They'll continue mm. to. Whackity schmackity do. So how about that oncoming apocalypse, guys? Yeah. Well, how about we take a little bit of a music break? Yes, please. And then we get back to some more with Sean after this. How's it going? I'm Chaz. Welcome to Company Studio. Let me show you around and introduce you to the band. Over here on the keys, we have Mr. Anthony Ferraro. On the bass, Patrick Jeffords. On the drums, Andy Woodward. And on the congas, Brigine. Brigine, why don't you play something? Thank you. 
right, and welcome back. That was Toro y Moi with Ordinary Pleasure. Thank you to Otter for recommending that song. Rad. But back here with uh, Sean Riccio. Hello. And we were just uh, mentioning Jeff Adachi, who unfortunately passed very recently. And Sean had mentioned that there was... Yeah. A uh, gentleman named uh, uh, Seth Morris, I believe, was his name. He was running for a district attorney of uh, King County mm-hmm. last year. And he had to drop out of the race uh, pretty late in, which was unfortunate because uh, his, the incumbent that he was running against is just a, you know, a, a real polished asshole. And, yeah. uh, and Morris was going to be like a big voice for change for uh, a lot of disenfranchised communities, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the sex worker community. Uh, he was really adamant about... Uh, uh, Ending like police, like obviously you can't completely decriminalize from the district attorney's office, but like at least ending the like active enforcement of mm-hmm. like SESTA FOSTA yes, style yes. laws uh, that were really harming people, and you know like trying to throw out all of the uh, you know marijuana convictions mm-hmm. that are still on the books, despite the fact that Washington State has had uh. legal marijuana for five years, and we still have people in prison. Fortunately, they're they're starting to make headway on that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in San Francisco they're looking to expunge like all you know. Yes, um, it's just it's so commendable, I mean, very commendable. I feel like it's also that should be the very first thing that should have happened. That should have been getting people out of jail for that. That should have been the very first thing that happened before you even had any kind of legal sales or any anything right. like that. Just make sure folks are out of jail for that. Yeah, it, the, the it's insane that we still have people. Right. It'd be like if we put people in prison for like selling cars and then all of a sudden built the highway system and then mm-hmm. like everybody was driving cars, but we still had a bunch of people in prison for like, I just sold a dude some yeah. tires. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Apparently, this is all great now. Why can't I come out and be a productive member of society again? Just in- insane. Well, it's waiting for all the, the white men to get, you know, rich from it first. But yeah, that DA, the, the guy who was running for DA in Seattle, unfortunately died as oh. well. Like, uh, the reason he had to drop out the race was because of health complications, yeah. and apparently those complications were very complicated. Oh. So, yeah, like, you know, hats off to those guys fighting the good fight, those yeah. people, you know, who are out there in the trenches doing what chuckle fucks like us can't, like, because I can't, I can't clean up, and I can clean up and wear a suit, but I look more like a bouncer or someone who's, like, going to court for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It also reminds me, there's a story, I won't, um, for folks who are interested, from The Intercept, uh, one of the most taboo conversations, in quotation marks, New Yorkers pushed to decriminalize sex work. And yes. that was written by Natasha Lenard, and that came out on February 26th. So I've shared that on the Weekly Review webpage, which folks can find at facebook.com mm-hmm. forward slash weekly rev, or you can also just go to The Intercept and find that article there as well. And that's definitely something that needs to happen yeah. yesterday. 100, 100%. Like, uh, that is an issue near and dear to my heart and i feel like if you're a person from san francisco or our or the sister city seattle i'm just putting that out there right now that seattle and san francisco are sister cities i like it fight me portland uh <laughs> you're not you're our portland's our weird cousin, cousin? who yeah. like you know just shows up to thanksgiving dinner with a heroin spike in their arm it's like ah oh, just like Oof. kathy and uh, but no like san francisco and seattle these are cities that were in very real ways built by sex workers like hmm. the turn of the century you know like it, there are places in Seattle where you can go and it's like, yes, this is where a brothel was that was like a local meeting place for like, uh, you know, all sorts of city organizers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like the the sex worker community in Seattle, like we're really, were really uh, important to like women in general. 
like, and I don't mean to conflate sex workers and women necessarily, but in the 1800s, in, like, Western cities, quote-unquote, oftentimes women were, you know, brought in as sex workers as a is a pacifying force not necessarily like we got to calm these men down and Mm -hmm. like but like oh there's women here and now they're demanding that like hey there should be like some protections and sanitation you Mm -hmm. know like the fact that you had people who were not just like gross lumberjacks in the city all of a sudden it's like oh wait yeah we probably should like build some roads and stuff i guess Mm -hmm. so like you know it's the the history of uh, sex workers in this part of the country is like really important. So like, I I try to st- I try to stay up on that. I try to stay involved in uh, efforts to help that community because mm-hmm. I've got a lot of people in in my life in my family mm-hmm. who have uh, who have been sex workers and like yeah I love them. I want them to be safe. Yeah, absolutely. I want them to be able to do their jobs the way that any other like I also want right. like my friends who are like I also want my friends and family who are like construction workers right. and and doctors to yeah. be safe I mean, on their a, jobs too. It's like a labor issue too. I think yeah, a lot of folks exactly. don't realize. It's it's an it's it kind of is like an er, it's like the er labor issue because it touches so many other mm-hmm. it, you know like it touches women's issues and the issues of queer people and the mm-hmm. issues of people of color and trans people and you know just like every demo every especially disenfranchised yeah. demographic of Amer- of america touches on sex work you know including and to a huge degree labor right you know Unfortunately, labor is like a disenfranchised class in America. Sure. <laughs> Low these last, how old are we? 200 and some odd years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, goodness. yeah, it's, uh, uh, I haven't, I haven't read the piece from the intercept. I should just say that right now. It's like, after we just talked, I was like, oh, yeah. I haven't read it, but I'm sure it's really good. I see. I've, I saw it. I saw that it has been posted and I will read it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna read it. Th- uh, th- I'm gonna read it through the link posted on the Weekly Review website. Thank you, Sean. That's, yes. Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. Try to post. I have like a really, natural plugs. Really the- tenuous relationship with Facebook, where I take time off for a while, and then I'm like, wait, what's going on in the world? And then, but at the same time, I get I, f- I am full of a lot of despair when I'm on there sometimes. So it's like hard to <clears throat> know when to check it and when not to. And then I miss messages from people and it's, it's difficult. Yeah. I, you know, uh, like I said, I've been kind of receding in my focus and like the, the amount of information where I want to draw information from. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is also like disengaging from Facebook yeah. because so much of Facebook is just, it's not even people throwing like, a few years ago, your friends were all throwing up insane stuff. It's like, this is clearly not real. How could you believe this? Mm-hmm. Now, different problem, which is like, everybody's screaming about like all these very real things. It's like, okay, but there's nothing. Like, I can't watch, I can't see more posts about people screaming about like Senate judiciary hearings like they were the Super Bowl. It's like, this is so. You, there's so many things that you could be doing here, right here in our town, mm-hmm. you know, right here in our neighborhood mm-hmm. <laughs> that like real, that like if you, if you and three people showed up at a city council meeting and said like, Hey, we want you to do this. Yes. That'll make head, like that'll make stuff happen because nobody else is doing that. Mm-hmm. 
you know everybody is everybody's sharing links on facebook and your and your city councilmen and your senators don't give a shit about that if you show up and tell them like hey i might vote for somebody else and you'll lose your job mm -hmm. and then you're gonna be out here trying to sling sandwiches at subway like me that's what's gonna put the fear of god in them and get them to do your bidding because mm -hmm. remember they're your employees and you right. can mistreat them that's the american that's the american promise <laughs> got it noted <laughs> noted so I thought we could also just talk about the world of comedy. I mentioned earlier, I did comedy for a long time, and then it kind of evolved more into storytelling, and it mm -hmm. evolved then again into more political, where I was just getting really angry, and then I kind of phased myself out. I was a little bit burnt out for a number of reasons, and yeah. also had a lot of difficulty hearing people punch down a lot of the time, mm -hmm. and I was like, that's what this world, that's what we have experience on a daily basis for those of us who are in you know, marginalized groups and right. or have friends or who, you know, or we care about people who are. So it's really difficult to be in a kind of environment where you kind of hear people who have the opportunity to be on stage to then punch down or make really classist or sexist or transphobic jokes. Mm -hmm. So I was curious if you wanted to talk about that a little bit, how you have dealt with that. Uh, I wish I was like booked enough for that to like be a thing I had to worry about. No, uh, it, in Seattle, we actually, uh, this is a big flashpoint in our community for many years because we have in Seattle, like a really strong rising tide of, uh, you know, I guess you'd call them non-traditional community. I don't know what, but you know, people who are not straight white dudes. Great. You know, yeah. yeah, like people who are not that mold. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a, there's a show in Seattle uh, that I really like called. Uh, Cutie Pock is not a rapper. Q-T-P-O-C. Yeah. You know, so it's all queer trans people of color on the show. That's hosted great. and produced by them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of great comics have been on there. Uh, El Sanchez. Uh, I think Elisa, Elisa Yeoman has been on there a few times. Like, all great. Just look at any list uh, of comics from Cutie Pock is not a rapper. Mm -hmm. And then, like, look up whatever those people have done, whatever they've allowed to be online. Get in on the ground floor before you can't afford their tickets at the, you know, high-end theater in your town when they're on tour mm -hmm. uh but like because of that there's also been the backfire of you know like all the old straight white dudes were like upset. yeah like well why being can't say anything anymore you're not allowed to call people faggots and talk about like lighting their heads on fire anymore how are we supposed to do comedy if i can't like terrorize people weaker than me who have less protections uh. <laughs> you know it's a very good impression yeah you know the <laughs> Uh, I, it's, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating because there, Seattle comedy was dead for a long time before, uh, basically like the punchline comedy shows at Jai Tai came along and sort of revitalized the independent scene. Cause mm -hmm. like our clubs were not really, now we've got two pretty strong clubs in Seattle, you know, like laughs and, and, uh, the comedy underground, check them both out. If you're ever in the city and, uh, punchline comedy at Jai Tai, check that out too. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like, comedy like there wasn't really a lot of stand-up comedy or any kind of comedy other than like a little bit of uh, improv stuff and as we all know improv ranks somewhere like below clowning and above cleaning up the dung at the Oof. elephant cages in the in the showbiz I, hierarchy I used to do improv for a number of years but go ahead i'm sorry uh I, it's fine you know I, we i i don't <laughs> i i don't see your disability i just see you the person wow. roman <laughs> wow 
the guests on my show. I said that. Wow. Okay. Uh, the check's already in the mail, folks. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, the check because I get a lot of money for doing this. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> but no, uh, like comedy finally started coming back, and now like people now people are interested in comedy again because there's new voices Mm -hmm. and there's new people and it's bringing in this whole new audience but then there's like this old guard of comedy in the city that's still like really resistant to that and just the 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 dichot not dichotomy I'm going. I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use here. the The situation where like there are so many comedians in the city mm-hmm. who are powerful. And I'm putting powerful in quotation marks. Yes. Powerful in the way that like an action figure can be powerful. But like these are people who book shows that are relatively popular, and the you know sometimes they they do awful things or they say awful things. Yeah. And there's like any time. So basically, someone will do something like indefensible and then the entire community splits for like two weeks over like hey you know like there's only so many venues do you want comedy to not work in the city and it's like why do we why does that why is that dependent on supporting this unconscionable asshole right right (laughs) and you know or or just booking people like oh we got we should we should book this guy because he's really funny yeah he's really funny but he's also like a, a monster and yeah. like there's a bunch of people who haven't committed crimes yeah. uh, that we could book who are also equally as funny like right. there's no there's no genius so precious that y- you know that you can't get rid of them if they're an asshole and replace them with someone equally as good if not better yeah like no but no genius is worth putting up with someone you know being a jerk let alone like an actual danger to right. people around them right right and i'm free to say all of this because nobody is booking me back home anyway so <laughs> like i'm i'm basically a shaman like i walk among you but i am not of you i'm just in a hut in the parking lot outside the club eating mushrooms rolling around on the ground spitting at people (laughs) you know you need me to tell you the truth and the truth is that you should take a shower before you come to this open mic and also stop supporting this guy who like probably raped somebody jesus Wow. Do we need to name names here? I wish I could, but honestly, we that might be the rest of the show. There's a lot of people. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, stand-up comedy's awful, and men in general are just awful. And I completely agree, and that's part of the reason I left stand-up comedy. I try to change it. You know, I'm trying to, like, change the game from the inside. Right. Like, I've been doing it for 10 years now, and apparently people have started. There's enough there's enough people who were kids five years ago mm-hmm. and now they're starting to do thing you know they're starting to like get their sea legs in comedy yeah. and they've seen me and they think i have my shit together because yeah. i've been doing it for so long so it's like oh right i could totally yes you should totally absorb my right. values sure sure <laughs> i mean it's really just as simple as punching up and not, i mean there are so many like awful people in this world who are in positions of power who cause a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. So why not make your jokes at the expense of them instead of folks who have less power and privilege? I just don't get it. Yeah, you could talk about whatever you want, but what's the way in which you're talking right. about it? Like, if you want to talk about, like, really sensitive issues like race or, you know, gender or whatever, are you talking about that in a way that, like, is empowering of people? Or are you talking about it in a way that's, like, trying to tear people down? Right. You know, like... 
it, it's not that funny. We, we all know this. We all we're, we're like think back to grade school. What was funnier to like farts. see the kid? Yeah, farts, farts are still hilarious. Funny, I think. Well, yes, some things are always funny. Yeah. Farts are funny. Yeah. Uh, a shark fighting a gorilla is funny. Uh, off-colored fruit is funny. These are the hmm. three. These are the three primary elements of all comedy. Everything is all comedy that you see. You listen to a Jim Gaffigan album. He's just it's just different combination of farts and gorillas fighting sharks it's all it's all really the base same basic elements uh, so I, i'm looking at roman and i, I can see him I, drifting away no, it's because i have a, to get I have away a from jim this. gaffigan story that when i was doing stand-up in new york i yes. was booked on the same show as or like i was booked on a show and i had a certain slot and then he, jim gaffigan came in and he asked if he could like go up before me and he fought a gorilla slot. on stage and i said and i stupidly was like sure just <laughs> you know and then i lost the spot and then look at jim gaffigan and look at me you know and it's like not to say that but it's this kind of thing where it's like oh this guy comes in he was well known and just that's what i think about when i think about jim gaffigan was someone who took like a beginner's spot right <laughs> Yeah, he's just like I've got to I've got to go make a week's worth of your income in an hour yeah. uh later tonight. Can I go up right now? And then he goes up and just like demolishes and then you come up he's like my left foot always better than the right one or something. I, just like, that was never a part of my routine. But. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to completely throw you under the because I'm just thinking of like when I've been in that situation sure. like when I was a kid uh who who was it that had come into town? It was Rory Scovel. Rory Scovel was on his like first major tour, and I stupidly volunteered to be like, "Yeah, I want to open for Rory Scovel," uh-huh. and just like people are there to see Rory Scovel, professional genius, and then it's like eighteen year old Sean Riccio being like, "I wrote some jokes today in my notebook about my toothpaste and how I don't know how to squeeze it right," and then like, "Boo!" Yes, Molotov cocktail. Wow. Get off the stage. I've literally, I have what a done, waste of a Molotov cocktail. Right? Yeah, you could have thrown that at a cop or like a building. Like, <laughs> we're in a building, certainly. But man, I've literally, I've literally done like. Remember? Do you ever watch Blues Brothers? Yeah. Remember the Blues Brothers movie? Remember I do the, remember. You remember the scene? Pepperidge <laughs> Farm remembers. <laughs> you remember the scene where they're like in a in like a podunk bar and they're like behind the chicken wire and yes. people are throwing stuff at them. I've yeah. literally done shows at bars like that in oh, Tennessee. Wow. Yeah, yeah, where people like if they, they they are they might and will throw bottles at you so like that's wow. a for, yeah that's a for real thing I've that can happen to you never folks. faced that i did do stand-up in alabama mm. and i outed myself as trans and like i thought i had a friend who was recording it partially just to make sure that we had witnesses um but thankfully it right, went okay so that the cops will be able to identify you <laughs> yeah i don't trust the cops at all however <laughs> it was definitely like a really scary experience you know going through that but I'm also glad I did it. Yeah, no, I loved I loved gigging in the southeast because it really like toughens you up. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're if you're barnstorming shit kicker bars in like you know Tennessee and Georgia and you know like Kentucky, like those crowds are tough mm-hmm. and they will not be kind or forgiving to you if you are not like performing. Sure, and it, you know like you gotta straighten up and fly right. In that environment so like i consider that was like i could i don't think i'd be as good a comedian as i am now mm-hmm. if i hadn't gone through that experience even though it was miserable at oh, the time oh sure sure yeah i wouldn't necessarily go back and do it again however i'm glad i had the experience right i'm glad 
I survived it, and I'm glad I got those skills. I maybe wish I had gotten them in a way that was a little more palatable. <laughs> sure. No, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, comedy is, is, comedy is changing right now. Like, it's hard to see because most people's ideas of comedy is still like what they see on Comedy Central or, mm-hmm. you know, like some, the funny person Old movies. From, yeah, the funny person from funny, yeah. Dancing in the Stars that week. But like, if you're, if you look at like your local comedy scene, if you're in any major city in America, mm-hmm. there's somebody in a bar doing stand up. And, you know, probably like, again, people who are different than the stand-ups you see on television yeah the stand-ups that you're seeing in movies the stand-ups that are like you know that have been anodized and sanitized and corporately approved for yeah. you i mean corporately approved is i mean that right there i think is just the, th- the thing in order to make it to a certain degree you have to kind of sell out to a degree i mean sometimes y- yes i would say uh this now we're now we're really getting into the into the weeds of it because it's not that you shouldn't get paid, but always make sure that you're getting paid for what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Don't get paid to just be somebody's warm body. Get paid for... Make sure someone's buying your art, sure. not buying you, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. You know, like you should... You know, I, because I would submit that people who talk all the time about selling out in a negative context mm-hmm. probably have nothing to buy or worth buying. Like, if you are... If you're... If you are a dedicated artist and mm-hmm. you are dedicated to improving your talent, yeah. you can find a niche. You might not ever be like fully commercially live off of this the rest of your life successful. Sure. But like I'm here to tell you that like I've been doing stand up for ten years and my number one goal is will I be able to do stand up for eleven years? Like the if as long as you're able to keep producing your art and yeah. do the thing that you love doing next year mm-hmm. and also like keep a roof over your head and clothes on your back, then like however you do that, I don't begrudge you. Uh, however, I would say like consider what you might give up to get that paycheck, to sure. get that brass ring. Yeah. You know, because I've had a couple of moments in my life where like, oh yeah, I could do this thing. I could definitely like take this leap, but I would have to, I'd have to stop saying the things I want to say. I'd have right. to stop thinking, about, you know, like talking about the things I want to talk about right, on right. stage. You know, I've had him, I've worked, this is such low stakes shit, but I mean like this is the things that I think like, if you're out there, if you're an artist, you on this ground level might have to deal with this. I've had employers that have wanted to be like, hey, we want to sponsor a show, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, fine, but these are all the things that I talk about in my set and that are going to be associated with your business. Are you cool with that? Because we are not censoring anything. And yeah. that's always, that quickly leads to like, oh, you know, we'll think about it, you know, we'll yeah. get back to you, Sean. Yeah, yeah. And because it, it's like, yeah, no, no one wants no one wants their logo popping up after my joke about like flying out into the universe, finding God, killing him, and then taking his stuff back for us to use humans Uberalis. Mm. <laughs> like, like that tends to, that tends to be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe this value village thrift store doesn't want to associate itself with that strict anti-deist message. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, like, I, there are comedy is changing just because like much like the demographics of the country are changing like you know kids who are f- there are more kids who are not white mm-hmm. not straight thank goodness you know not dudes now than there were in the past and they're all going to be adults someday yeah all the comedians that I'm seeing now at open mics who are talking about their unique experiences talking about like 
growing up at, you know growing up their whole lives knowing that they were trans or knowing they were queer because that's yeah. an option now right you know and talking about it from that perspective like these kids are all going to be like talented someday if they, you know some of them are going to drop out but some of them are going to stick with it they're going to yeah. work up their chops and then like yeah they'll be ready to get on a professional stage yeah. and like really change the game because comedy is a business and business always follows money and if there's somebody who has a perspective has a voice that people want to listen to and they want to pay money to hear that right comedy business will respond to that and give them a venue and put them on stage there just has to be enough of us there just has to be enough of us to you know so that you know uh that that that's an option that like you know there's that that old crotchety white dudes like me dudes like me who are not right who are not on the who are not like who are still stuck in whatever toxic masculine programming they have or whatever like they're going to be sidelined because people aren't people don't want to listen to that anymore for the most part and there's not eventually there's not going to be as many of them Mm -hmm. as there are of literally everybody else yeah doing this that's why it's like you know if you're a woman if you're a person who is not an it was not like a, a cisgendered heterosexual white dude i urge you go do comedy go put yourself out there like go it's not easy it might not be for you but if you think it might be you should try it mm-hmm. because it it really needs you this is a thing that you can do that might actually make the world a better place even just a little bit yeah I mean, it's also just so, like, refreshing to see. Like, I have a lot of friends who don't go to comedy clubs because they've mm-hmm. had so many experiences of being offended by comedians or being picked on right. or having to sit through jokes that are really dehumanizing. Right. So it's totally different when you have folks out, folks up there who are speaking their truth, who are not going to attack people. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of venues in Seattle where, like, there are just strict rules. They're like, yeah, you can't say certain things and i know i was just talking about like oh censorship and stuff but i'm not talking about a censorship of like oh you can't talk about certain ideas it's like you can't attack people for being gay like your joke can't be like oh i met somebody and they were gay and i hated them because because there's so many jokes that were like it breaks down The, the the crux of the joke is like this person made me uncomfortable with their identity so i attacked them <laughs> you know it's like that kind of shit doesn't fly at like uh the comedy nest in seattle it does you're, if you're an ice agent though ah <sighs> dude yeah uh, i mean that's what's what makes me so frustrated is that the world that we're living in is so militarized mm-hmm. and we have to like people experience this on a daily basis and then it's like why bring that to the comedy stage yeah that's the thing that always sh- that always gets me about is it. like why do you want to be an asshole why do you like, want to be a cop even why well i mean I, I, I don't understand that but i'm talking about like in the in the in the re- in the realm of comedy it's like yeah the world is like really tough right now for a lot of people for most of us and like Again, you can talk about that. I talk about it, but my angle on it is like we can make do things to make things better or like guys, this is crazy and absurd. My angle is very rarely like things are bad and it's these people's fault and we need to get them. And there's you you sense that a lot in a lot of people's comedy. Well, it's also like who are they blaming? Are they blaming billionaires or the you know the like yeah, super yeah. elite cuz those are folks who I do believe deserve it? Or are you blaming folks who have who don't have that power? And I mean, yeah, there's so, so many people are like, oh, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I go after everybody. It's like, yeah, 
but most of the time, maybe you maybe you have said something mean about like a rich person or like your dad once. But most of the time, when I listen to you, you're talking about how much you hate like you know queers and people who look different than you. And it's like Ugh. I'm not really. Ugh. I'm thinking that like maybe you're skewed to attacking like one or a very particular kind of person. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. This it, makes me so angry. Yeah, it make it it makes me angry too because like the nature of social of sociability is like oftentimes because when you're at an open mic or something, mm-hmm. which is where you see the worst of this stuff, because yeah. then it's on completely unfiltered. Sure, no, there's you know just like anybody can get on stage and spout any kind of hateful no- nonsense that they want, and it's like you're at work, mm-hmm. so like you can't just well you can you can just be like hey fuck you buddy and like knock their hat off their head, but like it does. You know, you, you see it in every venue of society where it's like, if you stand up to the person who's being a jerk, now all of a sudden you are the problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's like, I just, st- I try to stick with my folks and I try to create, what I try to do is I try to create opportunities to lift other people up. Yeah. Like, I try to produce shows as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And when I produce shows, I'm, you know, make it, I, you know, have a mission statement of like, I want at least half of the show to be, again, this is my guy. It's not the most scientific measurement, but it's my guiding star. People who are not like me, people yeah. who are not white, cisgendered, passing, cis- cisgendered passing. This isn't really the podcast to talk about it, but, you know, like heterosexual dudes. Like, let's get some people who are not like that on that sh- on this show. Let's get a lot of people who are not like that on this show. Because mm-hmm. I want my show to be appealing to as many people as possible. Because I feel like comedy is... it's it, Comedy is like a very... Not proletarian, but like it's a it's a very folk art form. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very it, there's very little bar to access. You know what I mean? Like all you need to do comedy in your town is a microphone and a place to put that microphone where your voice will be amplified. That's really it. And like, you know, the blessing of the the people who run that space. Don't like sneak into your college library like I did and try to start a ruckus. Like you maybe want to talk to somebody beforehand. Mm-hmm. But like you can get that started and then that'll help empower you. That'll help you feel, that'll help you find confidence. I'm speaking now to like again, you know, like young people who feel like, you know, I'm part of this marginalized group. I don't know I don't know where to I don't know how like how to feel power. I don't know how to like take control of my world. It's like get up on stage and start talking about it. Mm-hmm. People will listen. People you'll find more you'll find more people like you. You'll band together because that's what that's how it worked for me. You know, obviously, again, a heterosexual white dude. So I, there was, you know, not a lot of fish in that pond. They're kind of stocking it. But like, if you live someplace where it's, you know, like you got a coffee shop, you can get an amp and a mic for four hundred dollars on Amazon. Ugh, I'm gonna well say not to get it on Amazon. I mean, I'm Amazon's just, a horrible I'm just saying, I can't not say that right now. Fair, you know, I'm just saying like you can do it. Like you can go out and get this stuff. Right. You know. Uh, you know, if you if you got to get it from the evil empire, that's not great. But you know, times are tough, and you know, spend that college you spend spend that you know like college tuition check however you can. You know, the, the steal the books, go buy an amp. But uh, 
that's my that that's Uncle Sean's advice to you, college students. Steal your college textbooks. Use that money to buy an amp so you can be an artist or drugs, something fun. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. How about we take another music break? <laughs> I'm so glad we're ending on that. Bye, drugs, and kids. <laughs> I've got nothing against drugs. I think it should be all decriminalized, and, you know, it's, yeah. All right, we're going to take another music break. This is another uh, recommendation from uh, Lexi. Thanks for listening in, Lexi. This is a song by Aja called Jekyll and Hyde, featuring Shiloh. <laughs> Then they better not go inside. They 
All right, and welcome back to Weekly Review, joined here by Sean Riccio. So, Sean, when are you uh, performing next? I am going to be on uh, Pamtastic's Clubhouse tonight at 8 p.m., although I believe that show is sold out. Oh, that's great news. Yeah, so... uh, you suck. You can't come. Oh, uh, no. You're not good enough. But uh, only if you're Lu- Jeff Bezos. Yeah. You suck. Oh, but uh, uh, consolation prize. You can come uh, buy tickets and spend your money at Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival tomorrow night and mm-hmm. see me do the karaoke show at Great. 6 p.m. So I'm going to do comedy and then I'm going to do a karaoke song. It's going to be real awesome. And then there'll be more comedy. Uh, and honestly, just. Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, any of the shows going on this weekend, you can't go wrong. We're all really funny. Uh... They, they chose me and then 49 other people so like they've clearly got good taste uh, <laughs> so what is the karaoke show in particular what's that about uh it it's basically what it says on the tin like we're gonna go up do uh a set you know like a few jokes and then we get to do a karaoke song uh, that the performer gets to pick although i believe if you don't if a performer doesn't pick a song a song is picked for them uh-huh. and i might just throw myself into that fire because i love karaoke i like that was one of the shows i specifically was like you need to put me on this show uh-huh. This show and the show where we yell about Star Wars, which I unfortunately had to drop out of because uh-huh. I uh, am moving as soon as because I planned a five day comedy festival and moving at the exact same time because I make good life decisions. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, you can see me, uh, and I think I'm doing a third show Sunday that's pet based. Although I'm not sure what time it is. So just show up to the mutant pet radio. Based. Do you bring your pet? Yeah. Oh man, that would be so awesome. I would love. It. Yeah, it's bring, dog friendly. Pam says so. Bring dogs. Bring your dog to the pet show. I will rate your dog live on stage on a scale wow. of ten to a million. That's oh. yeah. So like, okay. your, your dog can either be ten out of ten or a million out of ten. Those are the only two options. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, it's going to be super fun. I don't know what time that show is, so just show up to Mutiny Radio on Sunday, buy tickets for all the shows. Eventually, I will be on one of them. <laughs> Great. Excellent. Uh, anything else you'd like to to share before we go? Um, ladies and gentlemen, people, you know, people of all genders and identities, uh, be kind to each other. Don't talk to cops. Yeah. And if you have any pills that you're not sure what they are, uh, send them to me and I will identify them for you. My wow. address will follow shortly. All right. We're, we're listening for your address. So, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. It'll, it'll, I'm just going to play like, it'll, it'll be like, uh, it'll be like, uh, that thing where they would play kazoos into the phone to get free long distance calls. I'm just going to play mm-hmm. like a dial tone into the radio and you can decode that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Cool. Roman, thank you so much for having me. Sure. Uh, thanks for being here. And is there anywhere folks can find you online? Do you have an online presence? Uh, yeah. At Sean Riccio, S-E-A-N dot, uh, at Sean Riccio, S-E-A-N-R-I-C-C-I-O, mm-hmm. Sean Riccio, uh, not seen Rico, uh, not Rico Suave, Sean Riccio. Uh, uh, I'm, Rico on, Suave. I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, find me and, uh, just send me money. Just give, if you f- see an artist, give them money, especially if that artist is me. Wow. Okay. That's quite the plug. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Sean. And again, folks can check out the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. That's, that'll be taking place today until March 5th 
for the entire schedule, please check out mutinyradio.fm. I thought we would, um, I'm going to play some audio here, and this is again from Jeff Adachi. So that San Francisco Bayview, which is a great paper that folks can check out, there's an online version of it as well, and they posted an article recently with some photos and some video footage as well. And the title of the article, as I scroll up here to the top here, is uh, Jeff Adachi, 1959 to 2019, When Jeff Had Your Back, You Felt Safe. And this came out on February 23rd. And next week, I'll be providing some more information um, and also check in later on in the program. So this article is written by Katie St. Clair. So for much more information, check out this article. And I'm going to be playing the audio from a panel discussion that happened a couple years ago and learned a lot from listening to this. So I thought I'd play um, some, some few, a few minutes. It's the whole video is like at least an hour long, so we can't quite make that, that much um, the time remaining, but I wanted to play at least a little bit here. And this is from the 2016 San Francisco Black Film Festival at Temple Emanuel, and the panel included uh, Jeff Adachi, um, who discussed implicit racial bias following the screening of his film, America Needs a Racial Facial. So there's a couple other folks here on the panel as well. So we're just going to play a little bit of this clip here, and then we'll be back in a bit. Stay tuned program under our Advocates for Justice program and what we do is we try to give young African-American students and people of color and all students an opportunity to see African-Americans in a positive role Uh, because part of what the implicit bias deals with is the stereotypes that people hold and so I think it's important as leaders and of any people of color and just humanity is that we got to start changing the image of the young black males uh, people of color and so that when people when they think of an african-american or they think of a, a, a person who's a drug dealer or a gang person they don't think of just that being an african-american and when they, they have a positive role model or image to compare that to that's when we start uh, getting the change that we want to see and so uh, part of what we do is not only we focus on the pro- problem we represent kids free in suspension and expulsion hearings but then we bring solutions to the table like restorative justice like pbis like positive role models so I won't keep going. I'm sorry for, for going along, but uh, I'll turn it over to Mr. Mr. Adachi. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's really great to be here, and thank you for coming. I know we're competing with a, with a nice day today. Um, I want to thank uh, Jackie and the Black Film Festival for making the screening possible. Uh, first of all, there are 60 films in this festival, so you should definitely come out and, and see. And these kind of festivals, I think, are so important in terms of bridging information gaps that we all have, you know, based on the fact that we know so little about each other, which is really one of the sources of both explicit and implicit bias. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the term uh, unconscious bias. How many of you ever have heard that term? It's it's actually become, um, you know, part of the nomenclature probably in the past three to five years. There's very little that was known about it, and it's primarily studies in the area of neuroscience that have revealed that we all have both conscious and unconscious biases. You might have a a conscious bias for a particular type of food or ice cream, uh, and and that's a conscious bias. That's something that you are aware of and and something that dictates your decisions and that you might even express. I, I like strawberry ice cream. And then you have unconscious biases, which are those biases which we're not necessarily aware of and that we uh, may not even be aware that our 
decisions are dictated uh, by uh, leanings that we have uh, that we're not even aware of, consciously aware of. And there's been a tremendous amount of, of testing done in this area. Uh, Harvard created a test called the Implicit Association Test, and you can find it online. And you can take it on your computer, and it, it flashes images of white faces and black faces and words and associations, and you're asked to choose good or bad. And that test has shown overwhelmingly uh, that people, even people of the same uh, ethnicity, uh, will have biases. And if you think about it this way, if you were walking, you know, to your car late at night and you saw a particular type of person come towards you, and so you would grab your purse, you know, uh, because you're afraid. Or if you're holding something, you might hold that tighter. That's an example of a implicit bias. And it's those kinds of, of reactions that have actually been tied to a part of the brain called the amygdala. It's the, the, the fight or flight um, part of your brain. And it reacts. And it's going to send out a danger signal. It's going to send out fear, uh, anxiety. All those things, uh, emotional states, are controlled by that part of the brain. And so what the implicit association test does, it actually tests your reaction to that. And if you're talking about making decisions, like whether if you're a police officer deciding whether to pull a trigger of a gun, or you're deciding uh, whether or not to let somebody out of jail, or what kind of sentence to give someone, uh, all of those things are going to be affected by implicit biases. I, I, I hope Karen talks a little bit more. She recently went to a uh, training for judges. And now judges are supposed to be you know, right, the, the sort of highest level of decision making, trained not to be biased, and, and yet tremendous bias. I, I'll share a story that a judge told me. It was, he was a chief judge from another state. And he said, I'm, I'll tell you the story, won't tell anybody, but I'll tell you. And uh, it, was, it was at a conference where they had the judges from all over the state there, and they passed out a file and to each judge. And the files were identical, the same police report, charge sheet, and, uh, and rap sheet. And so they asked the judges each to read the files and to do two things, to sentence the person and to set bail. And the only difference in the files is that half the files had a picture or a mugshot of a, a black person and half the files had a, a mugshot of a white person. And he said when they collected all the files back and the bail recommendation as well as the sentence, he said without exception, in every case, the bail for the, uh, for the African American uh, individual uh, was 20 to 30 percent higher and the sentence was also 20 to 30% higher. Now that is in line with all of the, the research uh, that has been done to date uh, that shows that the criminal justice system is more punitive. And it's not surprising that that's also true. Uh, I see Pamela, how you doing? <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's also true uh, when uh, you're talking about decisions to uh, expel students or suspend students uh, from school, and that's something that is very uh, common, has been proven. In San Francisco, we had something that was called willful defiance, uh, meaning that an individual could be suspended uh, from school simply for being defiant uh, in a classroom. And it just turned out 
that about 80% of the people who are being suspended for that were African American. And so the uh, school board actually put a policy in place where they are not allowing that. We, we've seen a huge drop in the amount of suspensions. In my office, we have, actually have a full-time attorney and support staff that uh, represents uh, young people in suspensions and expulsions to help address the disparities. But you know that link in terms of students being uh, kicked out of school uh, carries directly over into the criminal justice system because about 85% of the people in prison, our clients, um, are individuals who have not completed a, a, or do not have a high school education. So that's really something to think about when we're looking at, you know, what is the impact of implicit bias? It's simply not just a, you know, harmless opinion uh, that you might carry, uh, but it actually has very deep consequences in terms of uh, fairness in, in our society. When you start looking at um, education, employment, uh, obviously criminal justice, uh, you start seeing, you know, how it carries over uh, into uh, the outcomes that people experience uh, in this country. I'd like to just talk a, briefly about pipeline issues and uh, as well as stereotype threat and, and how implicit bias impacts those two areas. So in terms of Let's just talk about the legal profession for a moment. Um, the legal profession, why is it important, first of all? Well, first of all, the President of the United States, the First Lady of the United States, the majority, the majority of the congressional representatives, the majority of the senators, they're all lawyers. So the judges, the district attorneys, the public defenders, they're all lawyers. Why is it important to diversify and be more inclusive in the legal profession? Because we're looking at lawyers, those are the decision makers, they're the policy makers. Unfortunately, the legal profession is not diverse. It's still over 80% white and 65% male. How does this play out? It plays out in the public defender's offices, not in our esteemed colleague here, uh, Jeff Adachi's office, which is quite inclusive and diverse. But throughout the United States, public defenders, those offices, are overwhelmingly white. That's certainly true in the district attorney's office. And the district attorney is the office that makes the prosecutorial discretionary decisions. If we're suspending and disciplining and expelling children in junior high school, instead of doing positive discipline and really encouraging education and higher education, instead of feeding the pipeline to prison, we need to be 
feeding the pipeline to college and to law school in order to make sure that the decision makers in our country include the population. What, is our, what does our population look like now? Because our population today is not over 80% white. That's not what's happening. That's not what's happening throughout the United States. And in California, it's, we're already at 60% non-white in our population. We also are at 51% throughout the United States of female to male, right? So there are already more women than men. There are already more non-white people than white people, but yet the power base remains overwhelmingly male and white. Let's move from there from talking about why it's important to have a pipeline that looks different than it does now and to address these issues that both Jeff and Jock are talking about. When he talked about the brain and the amygdala, which when activated, we're afraid. It's our threat or fear part of our brain. So when the amygdala is activated, it's an immediate response. And if that response is to shoot or not to shoot, or run away from, or destroy, then we have, we have a serious problem in diversifying and including everyone. And the easiest thing to do is to accept or act on a stereotype because it's a very, it's simple. Oh, I have that information. It's a quick thing. So if you look at Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, uh, you'll see this. You'll also see when you take the IAT, which I highly recommend, and it's IAT at <coughs> harvard.edu. Um, when you go onto the website, you, with your computer, you have a wide variety of tests you can take on gender, race, color, phenotype, etc. Um, I recommend that you take several of them and just be honest with yourself because it's a self-evaluation, it's self-awareness. So finally, I wanted to talk about stereotype threat. We saw all of those images in Jeff's film. All of those images have created the amygdala response. The American brain is responding in this way and now it's in our DNA. How do we change that? The brain is plastic. So there's another part of our brain that addresses decision-making, and that is not fully developed until age 25. Lots of studies have shown that uh, at Stanford now through MRI studies over the last 10 years of young people. So it doesn't, it's not fully developed until t age 25, which gets us into some sentencing issues as well as some other criminal justice and juvenile justice issues. 
The medial prefrontal cortex is the area of the brain that when activated, we see humanity. We make decisions. We are compassionate or we're not. And the medial prefrontal cortex is activated when we're near someone we respond to as another human being. One of the reasons we take care of babies is because our prefrontal cortex is activated and stimulated by them. We see them, we want to take care of them. We see that baby and we're in love with that baby, even, even when it's not ours. We want to take care of it. Okay? This, these are primal responses in the brain. Princeton University conducted a series of studies on the medial prefrontal cortex by showing pictures of people and different kinds of faces in an MRI and to see when the medial prefrontal cortex was stimulated or activated. What they discovered was when they showed pictures of people to the participants in the MRI who appeared to be homeless, poor, black. This area of the brain was not activated. The people, the participants did not perceive these people as being people, as being humans. When they showed pictures of white people fully dressed, dressed nicely in a home environment, this area of the brain lit up. They were viewed as fully human. What does this mean to all of us? How can we change? First of all, we have to be fully aware of our responses and of our brain responses and that all of us are biased and that all of us have seen and been inundated with these images in Jeff's film all of our lives and our parents' lives and those before us. The second thing that we need to do is educate ourselves and others about all of the different cultures that make up America. We also need to educate ourselves about American history and I think that's why films like uh, Racial Facial make a difference because we must never forget. And I'm glad we're here at Temple Emmanuel so that we can continue that mantra. We will never forget. We must remember it's important, it's imperative that we remember American history. And then finally, what every single person in this room needs to do is intervene need to become an interventionist. Intervene when you witness 
any bias. Because now you know, oh, you know a little bit about the brain, the amygdala, you know a little bit about the medial prefrontal cortex, you know about implicit bias, you've done these, these tests at Harvard, you're able to share that information with people when they say something to you or to others that you know is biased. So please, let's think about the positives as we look at all the negatives and we look at stereotypes and biases, but also let's look at how with our plastic brains we can make a change. Thank you very much. Round of applause. All right. So again, if folks are interested in checking out this video, I started, I played part, part of it in the middle. You can check out the San Francisco Bayview newspaper at sfbayview.com. And this is from an article that was written about Jeff Adachi that came out a few days ago. So you can check out the video. There's a lot more to it. I encourage folks to check that out as well. <sighs> so rounding up the show, I'm going to do a couple of plugs for upcoming events that folks can check out. As was mentioned earlier, today through March 5th is the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, so please come through. There are a lot of great shows here. Uh, check out mutinyradio.fm for all of the shows. If you are not in the Bay Area and want to listen in, you can listen live, so check us out there. If you'd like to support the station, you can do so. We, have a, we should have a GoFundMe up if you go to mutinyradio.fm, you can come in in person. We've got a bucket here. You can donate as well. Come support shows here. If you're interested in doing a show here of your own, there are a couple of slots available. So please contact Pam, who is the station director, about getting a show here of your own. We also have spaces available for rentals as well. If you'd like to support this particular show, uh, we have a Patreon that's up, patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. That's W-E-E-K-L-Y-R-E-V. Again, if you can donate a dollar a month or more, greatly appreciated. Um, thanks to all the folks out there who have supported the show and listened to the show and told friends about it. I really appreciate all the folks out there who support. Also coming up on March 5th, the future of nonviolent action in Palestine uh, with Ahmed Abu Artema, and that's happening at Kahila. Kahila community synagogue and that's tuesday march 5th from 7 to 9 p.m and kahila's at 1300 grand avenue in piedmont and i'll read a little bit about the description here kahila and the middle east peace committee present an evening of film food and conversation here from ahmed abu artema a palestinian journalist and refugee and one of the original organizers of the gaza great march of return abu artema will be speaking on the future of nonviolent actions in palestine restoration of palestinian rights and his vision for a lasting peace he will be joined by Dalit Baum, Director of Economic Activism for the American Friends Service Committee, AFSC, Israeli anti-occupation activist, feminist scholar, teacher, and author. This is part of a nationwide tour organized by the American Friends Service Committee. For more details, see www.afsc.org forward slash Gaza March Tour. And again, there's a Facebook invite as well. So this is happening March 5th. Also, there's a show happening at Brava tomorrow night and Sunday afternoon called Overlook Latinas. I highly recommend folks check that out as well if you're able. And I believe that's it. Uh, stay tuned because coming up next is a Women's Magazine with Global Val. And again, it's the Mutiny Radio uh, fourth annual comedy festival. So please do come by and support some comedians. Um, coming up next, uh, got some music, and then yeah, we'll be back next week. So stay tuned. And came out of an era where.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good special happy hour prices all night long with your mutiny radio comedy festival ticket march 1st through 5th check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com come take a seat i had a date there and it did not go well but it wasn't the fault of the place they're very nice asiento For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Venice. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF.
Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips, don't know anything about it, sorry. All so, on my limited view. Yes, every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, oh, you can if you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, and Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes, oh, you already said that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God, there's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media. M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast mov podcast is our handle until next time i hope you're enjoying your view yes bye bye that that kind of sucked balls Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Billy Bob.